Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America. And welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to spend the whole show talking to a famous athlete, a man of God, um, someone who has been in the NFL, been a college professor, a coach, a youth minister, a inner city youth program volunteer and, and directly involved. His name is Jack Brewer. You might remember he played for the Vikings and the Giants and some other teams. The Giants are one of my favorite teams. And he is a lifelong Democrat. He came out of the deep South in Texas. His uh, grandfather was a African-American shop a sharecropper at the beginning of the turn of the century. Uh, his father was a man who had the courage to stand up to the KKK in Texas at a time when that wasn't too popular or quite frankly, not potentially good for your safety, but he had the courage and, and um, fortitude to stand up for his values and for equality. And what's interesting about Jack Brewer is he played in the NFL. He was a lifelong Democrat. And then Donald Trump came along and he became a Trump supporter. And uh, for many people, it feels like a Saul-like conversion in the Bible gets knocked off his horse, but it's it's very different. It's about realizing that the values he had as a high-performing always training, hardworking athlete were more conservative. They were about self-reliance, about self-discipline, about having mores and values and honoring meritocracy, uh, and not about division. Teamwork means you don't divide your team. You work together. And Jack Brewer saw the party he was in as being divisive and that the party that Donald Trump had created in the Republican Party is trying to be inclusive creating higher ceilings, not glass ceilings, uh, creating opportunity, not government welfare programs, uh, trying to reach out to uh, constituencies that the Republican Party had not reached out to and the Democratic Party had too long taken for granted. And I think Jack's journey, uh, his message, uh, his own example, what he does in his community, in his home, in his career, uh, really lives up to those values. He's a fantastic interview. I've been dying to get him on the show for a long time. We're so lucky to have him today. So we're going to spend the whole show there today. We're not talking about any news stories. You can go to justthenews.com anytime. Check out the breaking news. We always have some good stuff. But today, a one-on-one -on -one interview with Jack Brewer, former NFL star, uh, a man of principle, uh, a man who had a really remarkable self-realization during the Donald Trump years about what party he wanted to be in and what 
the message of America, the NFL, uh, Black Lives Matter, what it was creating and what message he wanted to be as a very different message of optimism and self-determination and family responsibility. A wonderful guy. We're going to spend the whole afternoon with him. Uh, let's go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, the one and only Jack Brewer joining us in just a few seconds. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, someone whose accomplishments are long and hard-earned, but also... He is a person who has really developed a reputation in an era of a lot of wishy-washy. He's a straight talker, a straight shooter. His name is Jack Brewer, former three-time NFL team captain, an NFL football star, a college professor, coach, and of course, I bet his favorite jobs are husband, son, and father. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Oh, it's an honor to have you on the show. So you, you are, uh, you had this, I don't know if it's Saul-like, Paul-like con- uh, conversion, but you are a lifelong Democrat. And then somewhere along the way, you flipped uh, to Donald Trump. What was that like? What drove that decision? Uh, really, I mean, God drove it, but he drove me to, to support President Trump. I don't think I would have uh, ever been uh, as aware uh, or have looked uh, into politics uh, like I have over the, the past five years, if it wouldn't have been for Donald Trump, um, just his, his message resonated with me. Um, the issues that uh, he brought up, I had never thought about them in the way that um, he approached them, uh, and he made me dig deeper. Uh, and you know, really, what 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 shifted me is as I, you know, started to look at the things that were important to me. Um, you know, the work that I was doing in the community uh, and the social issues uh, that I had, you know, for the majority of my lifetime taken on, whether it was education or, or um, you know, criminal justice and uh, so many of these issues that I was uh, passionate about, I really didn't realize uh, what the root of them were until Donald Trump came. And I started to, to look at, you know, things like uh, the 94 crime bill, which was written by uh, Joe Biden and, and, and pushed by President Clinton and started to understand how that decimated uh, the black community. Uh, started looking at the educational system and understanding uh, about how broken our public school system was and uh, how much money was being spent uh, in these public schools, yet the education was failing the kids. Uh, and, and understanding that school choice uh, was something that was always rejected by the Democrats get supported by conservatives and Republicans. And so when you start to, to really get to the core of a lot of the issues in our nation, um, they all pointed back uh, at the liberal philosophies and at the Democratic Party, uh, who really uh, had been the party of the Klan, which I didn't know, the party of segregation, which I didn't know, uh, the party of slavery, which I didn't know. And so, you know, Donald Trump, um, he, I guess he, he stimulated um 
my research and um, he, he made me want to understand and see the root cause of the issues that I was so passionate about. And you have been passionate and you have this amazing family history. So your, your grandfather was a black sharecropper in the deep South, right? In Texas, Grapevine, Texas, if I'm correct. That's right. And then yeah, when you were right. in school, you saw not only racism, but vile hatred, skinheads and others. In fact, I think you had an incident where you ended up being a witness in a trial because one of your friends in self-defense shot a skinhead who was trying to kill him. What was that like growing up in the deep South as an African-American, seeing racism up front and up close and personal the way you did? You know, it, it, uh, it, it, it changed me. Um, you know, it, it, it helped mold me, you know, for a, a period of my life. It, it wasn't for the better. Um, there was a, a time in my life where I didn't like white people. I didn't, you know, I, 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 I always saw race uh, because of the incidents that I had taken on. Right. Uh, and so, you know, for me, uh, it was really real. Um, but, you know, like everything else, you know, when things happen to you personally, um, that's when your true character comes out. You know, are you uh, really going to take uh, what a few people do uh, and blame the, the, the masses? Or are you going to um, be able to decipher between good and evil and understand that uh, a lot of times evil goes beyond skin color or identity, you know, sex, gender, whatever you want to call it. Uh, evil is just evil and it's spiritual. And it, was, it wasn't it was until I started to really understand uh, the differences between, you know, physical battles and spiritual battles uh, that, I, that I quickly took my eyes uh, off so many of the identity issues that um, oftentimes politicians and, and, and different leaders want you to focus on. Uh, those things just divide us. Uh, but if we can keep our, our eyes on the spiritual um, issues that we have, uh, those can unite us because you know that doesn't that doesn't include skin color. It includes your heart. It includes um, your morality. And so uh, those are some of the things that I think for me. Um, helped me kind of grow past those stages in my life, but but they definitely helped define me now. Uh, and it's the reason that I speak out so strongly uh, when I hear people label folks, you know, white supremacists or racist and all of these things. Uh, because, in fact, most of the people that are, are saying these things have never truly uh, even encountered a white supremacy or never lived through anything uh, in which they speak. Uh, and so... Uh, I'm pretty vocal with, with telling my story uh, and, and honestly calling people out uh, when they start to race base. And it just seems like almost every issue today, I'm, I'm always happy, but many issues seem to now be the, a fight over race, even though maybe race isn't really the issue at hand, but it seems as though it evolves that way. And uh, there's a, an election bill coming out right now, H.R. 1, that would create sort of a federal mandate that states could not ask for a photo ID for voting. Uh, it, it poses some other restrictions. When you look at that, the the, uh, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, just said that requiring, uh, essentially said this because this is how you reinterpret the marks, the Georgia bill requiring photo ID is the new Jim Crow. When you look at that, and obviously you faced racism, I mean, up close and personal in the deep south in Texas. I think your father once uh, stood up to a KKK rally. That had to be one act of courage to do that at that time in the south. What do you 
uh, when you look at this debate over the election bill and election record, do you see it as a racial issue? Do African-Americans feel like asking for a photo ID is a form of racism? I'm just curious whether the, the line that the president and the Congress are taking is really received authentically in the community. You know, I, I think most, uh, unfortunately in our country, the majority of African-Americans see this issue as a race issue because it's being promoted um, by actually, you know, folks that are pandering uh, to, to these issues like Joe Biden. I mean, that, that is the reason that a lot of black folks see it as a race issue. Uh, I've been really vocal uh, about this as well because um, for for anyone to uh, basically uh, tell the nation and legislate that African-American people don't have the mental capacity, don't have the means, and don't have the sophistication to be able to get an ID and to show it. And so for me, that in itself is racist, and that is a slap in the face as a, as a black man, uh, as someone who serves the black community. Um, whenever now the government is going to uh, try to start to lower the standards uh, for individuals based upon the color of their skin. Uh, I mean, that is that is horrific, uh, in my opinion. And so, you know, this doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. No other country in the world um, will they require one skin color to do something different than the other. Uh, it's just, it, 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 it makes no sense. And so um, I am strongly against this. I think you know, the victim mentality that's being pushed uh, upon uh, African-Americans in our nation is, is causing the racial divide. Uh, not just that, it's actually causing the discrimination. Uh, and, and that is the issue that we're going to have to take on. We're going to have to take on that. Now, uh, you've already put African-American kids in schools that are broken, that don't work. So their educational level, you're dropping from a governmental level despite the fact that you're putting more resources into those communities than you are in most other places. So now you're spending the resources in the wrong manner and you're creating kids that are less educated, more reading the math proficiency levels. Now you're going to go from a government perspective and tell those same people that they don't even have the ability to have to go out and get a, an ID and you're going to start lowering the standards for these folks. Like any African-American that supports this um, is just confused. Uh, and, and misguided, uh, and has been miseducated, not uneducated, miseducated. And I think these are the issues and these are the conversations that as conservatives we need to start having because there's a lot of people uh, who are being brainwashed by this media and by the messaging coming out of the left. When you look at the media, and obviously I'm a member of it, although uh, Justin News, I think, has a, a very different take on, on facts every day. We try to give people facts and not opinion. But when you take a look at the news media today, where do they fit in this paradigm of stoking the debate over racism or racial strife or, or uh, class struggle? Um, I, I've seen you tweet some things and say something. That I, you have a very perceptive, I think, uh, assessment of what the news media's role is in dividing this country. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about it. I've heard you talk about it elsewhere, and it really fascinates me. Yeah, I mean, the, the media on the left now, I mean, they are at the center of it. Um, I mean, listen, I have no, uh, I, I don't take offense to, to anyone who chooses to be whatever gender or whatever 
um, sexual orientation, all those things are between you and, and your home. Right. But we're in, a, in an age right now where they're, when we talk about major news outlets, they're taking their ideal in which they live in their home and they're pushing it on the masses. Uh, and right now it's, it's in, a, in a dangerous proportions. I mean, people like, and I'll name their names, people like Don Lemon, people like Anderson Cooper, like these people's lifestyles that they live, that they're promoting to the world, um, are a direct reflection of the news that they're putting out. All this is spiritual. They're putting out this, these false realities uh, upon the people, and they are the ones that are dividing this nation and dividing folks. Anyone that doesn't agree with them or their lifestyle, uh, right now they have the pulpit, so to speak. They are the ones in the pulpit, they're the ones with the bullhorn, screaming the loudest because they have uh, the most ears on them. And they've, they've, they've started to change the generation. I, mean, I go into the inner cities. I go into these communities. You walk around and go into some of these schools uh, and you see how these kids dress, how they act, right? I mean, you have kids kids walking around with, they, with their pants hanging down to their hamstring area, almost mm. down to their knees. Mm. No respect for no no respect for women. Now women and these little girls think they don't need need uh, men. They don't they don't want to be after boys. They have a whole bisexual movement going on right now from a youth. I'm talking about at the youth level. I mean these numbers are staggering uh, when you see the amount of homosexuality and and all of these um, sexual immor- sexual immorality in general happening right now, not just in our high schools, I'm talking about in our middle schools, even coming down into our elementary schools. Pedophilia uh, is running wild. All of this goes back to the media and how they have manipulated the psyche of our children uh, and the parents of our children, Uh, because that's really what it goes back to. We don't have an issue with the kids in America. We have an issue with the parents. Our parents in this nation now allow their kids to be raised off of their cell phone. They allow kids to be raised on the media. And the 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 going outside in the backyard, playing baseball with your with your son, right. or going to kick a soccer ball day with your daughter. It's that lost. doesn't happen oh, you're in right. the majority of America. And that and that is the core issue because now what the media says is creating the reality for this nation. And it's a sad thing. You work uh, an awful lot in the youth community because I, I, I can tell it's your passion. You're worried that there's an entire generation that's sort of detached and, and wandering and doesn't have the same structures that you and I grow up. I mean, I was blessed to have a great dad who was always involved. My dad could tell you where I was every minute of the day. And, 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 he, and I better, and he was a, he was a police chief and you just didn't get out of line with that. And it was great because as a, as a, child you you had a path you felt like you had guardrails and you knew where the edge of the road was and you had someone that when you had a problem you could go to but you see and i know you're you're so deeply impassioned about working with youth in america what is the key to the next generation of americans what do we need to do to ensure that they see america as getting better not worse as having a, a confidence in their life to be free minded and uh, to uh, to have a belief that they'll be able to be self-sufficient. They don't need government to get them through their lives. What what are you, what are the things that you see resonate that are working 
uh, with the young people of America today? Uh, it starts starts with with showing them what uh, to to order is. Order is love, and what I mean by order is, you know, if, if you walk by someone that's seventy years old um, and you look at them in their eye, you say, "How are you doing today, man? How are you, sir?" You start to build the awareness back in you, teaching them things that have been pulled and ripped out of our education system, uh, like grammar. I don't know if you know that, but grammar class is being removed from our education system. Isn't that amazing? So you have Just amazing. In it's something that simple. You have inner city kids who may be from a household with no education. They don't speak proper English, and now they're gonna you're gonna spend twenty five thousand dollars per kid per school year, and this kid's gonna leave out of high school and not be able to speak proper English. That is a tragedy. When you when you look at um, just basic etiquette. There's not a basic etiquette class taught in any of our high schools, uh, in any of our middle schools. I'm talking about etiquette, real etiquette. It's not taught to these children. And so they go home, they from lower income area, right. household, they don't training. Yet the school is spending $25,000 per kid per school year. And so these little small things that I'm talking about, I'm talking about reading and math proficiency levels that a few that will, will will be worse in in American cities than in some third world countries, mm. which is a sad thing too. I see it every it's day. Unthinkable in the most are, powerful country in the world. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Fifteen, sixteen year old kids reading at second grade level. I mean, I see it all the time. This is not just like one off. And so as long as this exists in our nation where we will take government resources and spend them the way that we spend them, uh, and really do an injustice to our most vulnerable, our children, our, our, our underserved children, the most vulnerable people we have in our nation, uh, we just continue, can continue to turn our backs on them. If we don't fix that, we are going to have a nation that we cannot save. Like, people must understand, this is at a, at a crisis level. We talk about the border crisis. Right. Our crisis in our schools right now. And it's one that I get nervous about. I, I, I'm really nervous because I see these kids, and the only weird thing that's going to happen to them is they're going to end up pregnant, in jail, or dead. And that's the only path they're going to be able to take because they have no skills. Yeah. No, it's, uh, we, we're abandoning a generation that, and for some utopian society that doesn't exist when there's so much opportunity in the great American society we already have to create opportunity and, and not a ceiling. A lot of times, you know, I was in Milwaukee last summer and I happened to run into a hardware store quickly uh, and I came out, I think I was about to go get some coffee for uh, my niece and uh, this uh, African-American man uh, stopped me on the street. I guess he'd recognized me from being on Fox and he said, you know, I don't know if you'll ever use this uh, and I've been using it ever since, by the way, but uh, you know, you know what bothers me about the democratic agenda? And I said, no, what is it, sir? And he said, they create ceilings for me. The best I can do is minimum wage. The best I can do is uh, uh, welfare. And no one's ever talking about getting me on the rung of the ladder, my son, my, my daughter, my grandkids on the rung of the ladder where I can go up. I don't want the minimum wage and welfare to be my best goal in life. I want it to be a starting point to something much better. One, will someone give me an opportunity to climb up the economic ladder? And I thought that was so so profound. I, I went in the car and I, I, I literally just kept resonating. I've never forgot what he said. Is today's 
social safety net an excuse for not getting people into the economic ladder? Is it just a lot of fluffery to keep people from the reality that, listen, under Donald Trump, poverty got reduced by a historic level. Employment for African-Americans, Hispanics, and whites went up to or went down to you know unbelievable 50-year lows. Is the social uh, na- uh, safety agenda just an excuse for people not to have to focus on how do we get more people into the real economic system? Totally. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Um, because, you know, with as you have these welfare programs, if you have these entitlements to government programs, you have to understand how many businesses uh, get to eat off of that. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. uh, industries in us uh, who have, and would have these government, these lucrative government contracts. And so uh, it comes down to that, is they have lobbies, lobbies as well. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and think about it. If you, and if you are the Democratic Party, you know that um, the more illegal immigration that you allow into the country, you know that the more entitlements that you put out, those populations are more likely going to vote uh, in favor of reelecting you. And so, you know, you just, you see this, you know, front and center when you look, you know, at the Democratic-run cities, I think 19 of the 20 largest uh, cities in America, inner cities in America are Democratic-run. Uh, they're the ones with the lowest um, economic levels. They're the ones with the lowest educational levels, the right. highest disease, the highest crime. I mean, every every category across the board you look at, um, they, they rank at the bottom. Uh, and, the, and the majority of them are ran by Democratic politicians who will say that the reason that they're in the situation is because of the policies uh, of, of Republicans and the conservatives, uh, which couldn't be so couldn't be further from the truth, given the yeah. fact that most of them have been officers for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. Right. In some of Two and kids. three generations of a family. Yep. Trapped in failing yeah. schools and on welfare. It's got, it's got to be demoralizing. It, it is. And that's, and that, that is, that proves the point that you just said, that, of course, they want to trap folks on these entitlement programs. Of course they do. That is how they uh, remain in power. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, this is a, a battle of power and a battle of money, uh, and that's what it comes down to. Uh, and that's why I think Donald Trump was so special, because he was finally a politician that uh, we all knew didn't come to government uh, to get rich because he already was rich. He was already rich. Uh, and- yeah, he didn't need it. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sorry, Jack. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's true. He, you know, he already had. Yeah, I said he could take chances that others could. And That's that right. Was, uh, I appeal to so many Americans, uh, no matter your your economic status. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You you had a tweet. Uh, I, I bookmarked this about a few weeks ago, and I, I was looking forward to having on the show. Um, when Columbia University announced it was going to have six separate segregated um, graduations based on income and ethnicity and race. You, you had a very profound reaction to that. And uh, I think it gets to the larger issue of what you've been talking about, which is these elitists in the media, in academia, in governance, they're more interested in dividing than uniting. Uh, tell us how that Columbia University announcement struck you. It, it, it floored me, actually. Um, but what really floored me was the fact that so many uh, quote-unquote social justice advocates and uh, folks 
in the African-American community and in all communities, really, who claim to stand up against racism, against division. No one said a word about that. You could go, the majority of folks on the left, if they watch CNN and they watch MSNBC, no one even thought that that was wrong. So they've been brainwashed to think that this is okay to have six different um, graduations, which, you know what, if for social distancing or whatever. Right, that'd be a different thing, right. Yeah, you can have six graduations, but to separate them based upon your race (laughs) or your your sexual orientation, I mean, you couldn't be more hypocritical uh, if you support that. I mean, that's, that's, Segregation, that, that, there's no other way um, to describe that. It's, it's modern-day segregation, uh, and not. I didn't hear a single liberal or Democratic leader stand up against that. And for me, uh, that really floored me, uh, and it made me further understand the spiritual battle that we're facing because now, you know, good is evil and evil is good and it's right before our eyes. And it doesn't really matter what the issue is. It only matters what political party you're coming from or, or whether you're a conservative or a liberal. It doesn't, the actual issue itself, those don't matter. Kids in cages are in cages if it's a Republican president. The second, it's a Democratic president. Those kids are no longer in cages, and the reality has changed. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, you know, these are really trying times, man. I don't even they, know how to explain it. They are. They are indeed. I am an old Giants, New York Giants fan, so I remember when you played for us in 2004, and I look around now, and we've got Burgess Owens. There's talk of Herschel Walker, you know, uh, maybe running for Congress or Senate. Um, the generation of football players you were around or just preceded you or, or that you played with, they seem to be becoming more politically engaged, in that, and more of these athletes, you know, we, when we watch the NFL, we particularly when you listen to Roger Goodell, you sort of get a sense that he's in the woke agenda world right now. But it seems like a lot of NFL players who made it themselves, who had that hard work, that ethos, are, are coming out now with, you know, sort of conservative values. What do you see as, as the, the, the former leadership generation of the NFL? Do you think more sports athletes are going to get involved in politics in the future and what's driving them? Yeah, I do. I think you'll see some of the, 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 the athletes from, from my generation uh, and older, um, you know, I'm 42. So I right. think you'll, 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 you'll see more guys who, who, who want to get involved. You know, my hope is that, um, you know, we, we can get some of these athletes uh, that, that realize and understand what sports uh, did, did for them. Because sports aren't, aren't liberal. No. You know, you don't go and a locker NFL locker room, uh, and that's not ran, you know, with liberal talking points. You know, <laughs> very it's, true. It's, uh, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears, and a few swears too, but a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I know for sure. I was a sports writer. I loved it. <laughs> oh, now you got you got to work for things, and it's principled, yeah. and you have guys in there that you know who who overcame so much adversity, and they usually had a positive male influence. A father right. or a father, someone that helped them get to where they are, and they understand the value of family. They understand the value uh, of hard work and dedication. And so, those are the leaders that this nation needs right now, uh, in order to try to to, to heal from uh, so much of this nonsense 
uh, that we've put on this current generation. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, it's, uh, I always said that athlete, uh, sports and competitive sports are truly the, uh, the true meritocracy, right? There's no social safety net. You either make the team or you don't. You either perform or you don't start. You either uh, help win or you get fired as a coach or as a player. And yet so much in our society today seems to want to reward or protect not only mediocrity, but maybe even worse than mediocrity. Uh, do you think that by the hard work that goes into being a, a supreme athlete like you were, I mean, you were an amazing athlete. You played around, uh, you know, anyone that makes an NFL team, they are the best of the best and they've worked hard for it. Nothing's given to them. They work day in and day out, 70, 80 hours a week. Um, do you think that that creates a sort of a more, uh, I don't want to call it a conservative mindset, but a, a mindset of self-reliance that you got to do things yourself. You got to, you can't wait for government to come healthy. Do you think there are more athletes that think that way than, than we acknowledge in the, in the media? There is. I mean, I know I've had a lot of support, uh, from, from several athletes, many of who would never see it publicly, but you know, that will send me a text message or, uh, follow me on social media, right. send me a direct, you know, there are, there are a lot of athletes that uh, have those conservative principles. Um, you know, I think, but the unfortunate thing about it is there's also uh, some, uh, there's some athletes that have turned into latte liberals. You know, they are, <laughs> you know, they are, have, have fallen into that elitist category, um, you know, just through brainwashing uh, majority of the time. And, and honestly, uh, usually it, it, it's also due to, you know, the, the separation of, of identity and the yeah. skin color that they see as, 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 as all, everything's racist. And, um, you know, whenever something happens, the first thing they look at uh, is the color of someone's skin. Yep. Uh, and they actually support dividing us based upon our skin color. Uh, and that, and, and that, that unfortunately happens. I mean, I think, you know, we all see it and, sure. and folks like LeBron and, and, and anyone who really agrees with his ideology, um, uh, kind of the opposite of, of, of my perspective, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, state of the NFL, are you happy with it? I mean, there's a lot of great teams, a lot of great players, but the NFL seems to have a lot of controversy now that's unrelated to the sport itself. And I'm just curious, as you look out at it, um, is it the same league you competed in? What do you like about it? What do you think could be, be better about it? Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I only watched one game last year, and that was the Super Bowl because I wanted to see Tom win. win yeah, one uh, more, huh? <laughs> so you, you know, only watched one I, game I, all season? That was the first time in my life I, I had to turn it off. Uh, I tell you, man, this whole um, Black Lives Matter promotion of this organization uh, that is anti-family, anti-God, uh, for me, I just wouldn't allow it in my house. Wow. So I, that's a big thing a for a guy game. that played in the NFL. I mean, I, that's a hard decision to make. Not just that. I used to have eight TVs running with, with games <laughs> on. I mean, I love Multitasking I all love the games, sport. huh? That's right. But, that, you know, I, I just – it saddens me. The more I go into these schools and the more I, I try, to, try to help folks and I see the results uh, of, these, of this liberal mentality, and I start understanding what – you know, Black Lives Matter Inc. really uh, represents and the founders and their Marxist history, yeah. you know, their anti-Christ history. Uh, I just, I just couldn't believe that the league um, that I love 
was embracing it like that. Mm. And the same, same with the players and, you know, the NBA, even MLB. I mean, I completely took a break from sport. Um, wow. And I got to tell you, it was good. I, I started focusing on my, on my youth sports. I coached more teams and trained more young athletes. And um, that's what I've started to enjoy. But, uh, you know, I, I hope uh, one day we're able to watch the NFL again and all post sports, really, um, and, and not have to have um, so much thrown in our face, uh, particularly things that don't align uh, biblically with, with our beliefs. Yeah, that's very important to you. I know. I know. Faith has become is such an important part of your ecosystem of who you are, and um, we're we're so lucky uh, to have had you in sports and in college, and in now working in youth and ministry. Uh, you are a remarkable person, Jack Brewer, and I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts today. We want to get you back on the show. There's so much more to talk about. And, uh, I'd love to get you back on soon. Anytime. I'm I'm around, and uh, I appreciate you allowing me to share and. I'm, I'm praying for you on your show, man, and and you know, you. we can we can save this nation through God. Man. Yeah, the facts are simple, and the values are just as good as they've always been in America. We just got to get them fixed, and that's what uh, that's what these conversations are about. So, thank you, sir, and uh, have a blessed day, sir. And I'm sure uh, as the year goes on, we're going to get back in touch and have you back on this show again. Looking forward to it. God bless you. You too, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, you've been listening to Jack Brewer. What an interview. What a great time. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks, that wraps things up for the day. Jack Brewer, great NFL player, great man, very interesting uh, take on the NFL, on on our country, on Joe Biden, on Donald Trump, and, of course, uh, the divisiveness. I thought his take on the Columbia University segregation graduations was, was just so perceptive and, and how silly it looks and seems when you hear a man of common sense like Jack Brewer just call it out. Why are we doing that? Um, uh, and uh, I think he's a man that uh, creates an example of unity, of self-determination, self-reliance, uh, not a culture of victimhood, but a culture of success, uh, meritocracy. His NFL career was built on working hard to compete at the highest levels, and he is now taking an entire new generation of Americans, whether they're in the inner cities and in the suburbs, wherever they are, and trying to get them to embrace those values, maybe not the values that some of their sports icons of today espouse, 
but certainly values that will put them on a path of success, whether they stay in sports, go into business, go into the trades, uh, self-reliance, self-governance, uh, self-freedom, self-determination, all very important values. And I think uh, you heard that today from Jack Brewer. Keep an eye on him. I think he's a rising star. Uh, I think uh, uh, his ties to Donald Trump, uh, the bullhorn he's getting on social media, on television, a truly fascinating, remarkable human being, great person. And we're going to get him on the show again. I had so many more things, so many more places to go. We just ran out of time, but we're going to get him back soon. All right, folks, have a blessed evening. May God bless you and God bless this great country as he always has. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports right here at justthenews.com. And in the interim, if you need a news fix, if you wonder what's going on, if you just want to get facts and no indoctrination, guess what? Go to justthenews.com. We'll give you the facts. You'll be able to check us out by clicking in the Dig In tab. See all the reporters and materials. Make up your own mind. We don't try to make up your mind for you. We let you make up your own mind. And a special thanks again to Jack Brewer for spending so much time with us graciously. All right, folks. Have a good evening. We'll be back tomorrow.